Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And we have a very special guest on today, um, Mr. Ken Jocelyn. You guys are not going to believe this dude. He is freaking awesome. Make sure that you share this out right now. We're going to break through some walls and change some lives today. So hang tight. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let me bring Mr. Jocelyn on the stream. Ken, welcome to the what's show. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? Dude, it is so good to have you here. And man, honored to be honored to be with you this morning, my friend. I feel your energy already, man. Like you, you've got this amazing energy. We got a lot of people joining us on the live stream already. Check it out. So, so, and thank you to everybody who shares this out. So, so Ken, I started this show about three and a half years ago and, um, you know, it was really probably for selfish reasons to get myself unstuck, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's turned into something phenomenal and, and I know we've helped a lot of people. So, you know, I, I like to hear like where you were born and raised. Let's start there. Yeah. So born and raised in uh, Detroit, Michigan, uh, ooh, long story there. It's kind of a, a lot of my background. Uh, born and raised in uh, born in Detroit, raised in Pontiac area. Parents got divorced when I was eight. Mom moved from uh, Michigan to Georgia. Eighth grade, so I was in second grade then. Or eight years old, second grade. From we were there till sixth grade. From sixth grade to my senior year of high school, I moved six different times, back and forth to Michigan to be with my dad. So I went to twelve schools in twelve years. Graduated high school in the Air Force for four years, and then oh moved back to Georgia. So super transient growing up. Wow. What do you think that, you know, I, I'm always curious because I think, I think things happen, maybe an event, a person, something in our lives as children that kind of form what we end up becoming or the direction of our lives. Was there anybody in your life as a child that you can think, yeah, man, they, they kind of set the course for what I eventually became? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom, my mom passed away in the way I was actually talking to one of my guys on my team this morning, who's had to put, they put his mom in hospice today. And, mm. and I was just telling him, you know, it's been 2008, it's been 13 years ago and it's still like it was yesterday, but my mom was the neighborhood mom. Like she loved all the kids in the neighborhood. Always wanted to come to my house to be with my mom because of the way that she loved everybody. But my mom was also the one, if you came to spend the night with me, you had a chore list, just like everybody did. <laughs> you didn't get your chore list. You didn't get your chore list done. She'd take that six flights paddle and she'd spank your ear in just like she would everybody else's very in. I mean, that, but that was back in the day when, when, you know, kind of, we had that whole, it takes a village to raise a child thing. And that wasn't an issue back in the day. Can't get away with that now, but yeah, no. probably, probably, probably my mom, just in the way she loved people and just watching her love and selflessly give herself mm -hmm. um, to other people was probably one of the greatest influences of my life. Wow. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So, so you, um, you, 
where did you graduate in Michigan or in I, I, grad, I actually graduated in Georgia from East Hall High School in Gainesville, which is just north of uh, Flower Branch, Buford area. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So so you um, when you graduated, you went you didn't go to college. You went to the Air Force. So went straight in the Air Force. Yeah. My two older brothers, my half brothers from my dad's first marriage were both Air Force and that's something I wanted to do kind of follow in their footsteps. And so I spent three and a half years in Omaha, Nebraska and off at Air Force Base. Got out, moved back to Georgia, had been there from the time I was 21 till three years ago. So I was about 49, 50 years old. I've been in Birmingham, Alabama now for three years. And uh, one of the things that we do in the business I own is Ken Johnson team. So we do real estate through EXP. So I've got agents here in Alabama, in Birmingham, and in uh, Georgia, in the North Georgia area. But you've not always been in real estate. So you got you got out of the the Air Force um anything interesting happened while you were in the air force did you was <laughs> i was i was i was an idiot is what i was <laughs> um it's funny i was looking at a picture you know veterans day a picture of me getting i think it was my a1c stripes and uh i was sharing with a friend of mine the other day sergeant parker was a was an african-american tech sergeant he was my ncoic and taught me how to tie tie i mean i never really even when I, the times i moved to michigan uh i didn't really spend a ton of time with my dad because my dad worked at general motors and he worked second shift. So I hardly ever got to spend time with my father. He really wasn't around a ton. And it was, you know, it was cool to have somebody like Sergeant Parker. And that's, you guys, I was what, 18 years old, just turned 18 years old. And he, you know, he was like a father figure for me the entire time I was in the Air Force. Probably a lot of people joined the military that had um, interesting mm -hmm. backgrounds, right? So, mm -hmm. so I, you just made me think like, man these these sergeants and officers in in the military are are probably well accustomed to handling kids that <laughs> may have attitude or or whatever um so so you uh, so you got out of the air force you end up back in georgia uh, where did things go from there? Did you go just get a, a job? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I went to work and went to work at a, at a local, um, local business. I, I worked computer operations there and dispatched trucks for about seven years wow. from there, um, into full-time ministry. Uh, I did full-time vocational ministry as a youth pastor, grew a youth ministry from a couple, couple, two or three kids to several hundred. Wow. One of the top youth ministries in the country spoke around the country on some pretty big stages with some of my mentors, uh, which was kind of my intro to being able, you know, being a public speaker. Obviously, when you're speaking to a bunch of teenagers, I tell people all the time, you can, and I, I've seen your pastor a long time too. I planted a church and I tell people, you can, I can fake a room of adults on Sunday morning, but you can't fake a room of teenagers. You get a bunch <laughs> of students in there, man. If you, if you're not bought in and you don't care about them, they'll tune you out that quick. But yeah. uh, just just really got, you know, just a lot of uh, just a lot of really cool moments, really finding out who I was, the power of vision, the power of dreaming, yeah. uh, the power of core values, of mission statement, of all those things I learned from several of my mentors in uh, the late 1990s, early 2000s. So I can't imagine, like, if I were going to say, you, you know, I'd like to get a job at a church doing something, you know the the youth ministry seems like it might be the most challenging especially dealing with teenagers i mean I, i'm a dad with two teenagers and i, I like my hair's falling out so like 
what was that like? I mean, you have, I know, I mean, I was there as a teen, right? And you're, what was that like dealing with those kids? You just, you just have to have a supernatural love for, for teenagers, man. God's got to put something in your heart for teenagers. I told a friend of mine this weekend, uh, I knew it was time to get out of youth ministry when we had a lock-in. So a lock-ins where they, all the parents send all their kids to you, middle school, all the way through high school. We had 125, 150 kids for this lock-in this night. And, you know, I'm already, I'm 30 some odd years old then, 31, 30, about 20 years ago. And I'm already, I can't stay up all night. So I've got leaders, I've got college age students, I've got interns that are kind of managing. I, t- I, I had a, I had a, a mattress in, in one of my, in my office behind the stage in my facility, my youth facility. And I went in there to take a nap by two thirty, three o'clock morning. I'm like, dude, if I don't go to sleep two or three hours, I'm gonna kill somebody. Well, I went back in there and, <laughs> and slept. Well, these teenagers, they climbed through the ceiling, removed the ceiling tiles out, let themselves down, unlocked the door, and they came in and silly stringed and air horned me about two forty five in the morning after <laughs> I've been asleep about fifteen minutes. I knew then it's time for me to get out of youth ministry because I would, and I never did another lock in. Um, oh my we, God. Yeah, we saw God do some really cool things. Uh, like I said, we grew that from just a handful of kids to several hundred kids, one of the top youth ministries in the country um, back in like 98, 99. I did my first in uh, my first nat- national youth leadership conference. Several of my mentors, we had 368 uh, youth pastors, leaders from 18 different states come in which was my first kind of foray at doing my own live event. This was in uh, September of 2000. Wow. And from there, it was just, uh, you know, just some, some unbelievable opportunities to be able to, some, to do some really cool things and share some stages with some really cool people. You know, I'll bet the, that there are, are kids from that, um, from that, that era though, that, that still look back on it and think that guy changed my life in a lot of good ways, you know? I get messages. I get messages every week. There's not a week goes by. And now it's funny. It's it's, you see, you see the, the significance component of, of what God was able to do with me and our team. I had a phenomenal team back then as well. And we really functioned, um, you know, almost like a church inside of a church to be able to grow to the level. We, we were 300 plus kids pretty much every week in the church of, Wow. Know, six or 700 people. So, I mean, we were, um, we were, we were kind of that, like everybody in the country was looking going, how is this guy doing what he's doing? And, and it was leadership. And some of the, my mentors then, you know, taught me the, the importance of leadership, John Maxwell, Jeannie Mayo, Ron Luce. Wow. Uh, you know, we learned, we learned some, some really valuable lessons on leadership and, and, and reproducing yourself. John says all the time, you know, you don't reproduce what you know, you reproduce who you are. And, we were able to build a, an unbelievable leadership team and cast a red hot convincing vision and recruit leaders. And wow. we were seeing a ton of lives changed, a ton of kids changed. And now they're, you know, in their late thirties, early forties, they're older than I was back then. And, <laughs> right. uh, but they're just, but they're making a difference in the world. And that is from a fulfillment component. Yeah. Um, that's probably the most gratifying thing of anything I've done. There's no business venture. There's no amount of money. There's no car. There's no lots. There's no anything that's good that even comes close to the amount of fulfillment you get when you see some of them on 
you know, social media or even this weekend, my two oldest daughters were in Nashville for the weekend and they were at Kristen Francis. She was in my youth group and she watched them when they were kids. Wow. And so they're all hanging out and my oldest is 25 and my, and my second is 22 years old and she's spending time with them and to see that, to see their post and the love that she has for them. Now she's a mom of teenagers, you know, to see that. Yeah, dude, that's, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a high level of fulfillment that comes from that. Dude, that it, it, you know, um, and there's a high level of blessings. Like, mm -hmm. you know, people don't get that. I, I don't think that, man, when you're impacting lives like that and, and, and you're doing good for the world, I mean, the blessings come. I know you've done, I, I mean, in your bio, it says you've closed over $250 million in real estate and, um, you've done some amazing things. I know that you're a Grant Cardone licensee and you're doing amazing things with Grant. Um, but I don't think that any of that comes until you learn how to be a blessing in the lives of others. Yeah, you know, I just did. A, here's a shameless plug for my book that I just released about three months ago called As the Leader Grows. Actually, two Here, hold, ago, the, hold that up again. Let me give you full screen. There you go. As a Dude, we're going to we get hit, you on an Amazon live then too. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we hit number one, Amazon bestseller. Wow. Uh, number one, Amazon new release in four categories. It, that blows me away. And I literally was at 10 X bootcamp at the end of September when my publisher sent me the link and I'm yeah. sitting there with, with some of my team and I clicked on the link and it opened Amazon up and there's my book. And I literally started crying. It just, I was like, I'm an this is so crazy to me, but, yeah. But the whole premise of the book, Significance is Greater Than Success, came out of a conversation from one of my mentors 20 years ago. I had just gotten off of the day before the biggest stage that I had ever been featured on, about 8,800 youth pastors, youth leaders from around the country. John Maxwell spoke before I did. I mean, so, you know, you follow up, you know, Dr. John, I mean, that's an I was 31 years old. I thought I had the world by the tail, right? I'm speaking yeah. on these big stages and my mentor was after me and we, she said, Hey, I'm taking lunch tomorrow. I said, fantastic. You know, I'm riding on cloud nine and we sit down and Jeannie looks at me and she goes, I want to ask you a question. She goes, do you want to be significant or do you want to be successful? She goes, because yeah. those are two vastly different things. Wow. She said, do you want to be significant or do you want to be successful? And so for 20 years, I've taken the journey of what that means. And inside the book, I talk about how significant leaders help others around them so they can win, where people who chase success use others around them so they can win. Wow. And there's, there's a huge difference. If you start out to be significant, you will always find success. If you start out to be successful, you may or may not find significance and you're more than likely going to leave a trail of damage behind you when it's all said and done. So what do you want to do? You want to be successful or do you want to be significant? And that's really the premise of the entire book as a leader grows that I wrote came out of it was birthed out of that conversation 20 years ago. Oh my gosh, man. So, so you, um, what, you know, when you say, be significant i'm i'm curious because i think i mean dude you already know this i mean people especially today people are like well you gotta depends on your definition of the word definition and you know like what does it mean 
when you say significant, I mean, I have a feeling I know what it means, but for somebody watching that maybe they think, well, I am significant, <laughs> but they're not really. Then, then, you're miss, then you're missing the point completely if, that, if, that's, <laughs> you, if that's what you think. I mean, it, it, go, it leans into the Zig Ziglar quote. If I help enough people get what they want, eventually yeah. I'm going to get what I want. And, you're, and the guy just commented right there. One is internal and one is external. It really yeah. is. One really is. One really is about uh, about your heart yeah. and how can I help the people on my team win? Somebody I literally just got off another big podcast and just a minute ago and and he asked me. Uh, we talked about this, you know, significance versus success. And and I told him I said it's 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 literally where you want the people on your team to be as successful or more successful than you are because you understand. He goes, well, well how did you get that way? through listening to guys and reading books from guys like Patrick Lencioni, from guys like Simon Sinek, two of my favorite authors, uh, one of my favorite, oh, well, phenomenal. Patrick. Getting Naked. Dude, his best his, book his, ever written. Yeah, his <laughs> book, my, well, my favorite one's Ideal Team Player, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, The Advantage, Simon Sinek's uh, Leaders Eat Last, Start With Why. Uh, they just, they both really have their thumb on the heartbeat of organizational health. Yeah. and organizational culture and pat said something on a podcast with my friend ken coleman ken does the entree leadership podcast for dave ramsey and this podcast was from 2015 or 16 i think it's episode number like 97 or 93 i've listened to it over 200 times in the last six years wow and one of the things ken asked him a question in this it's like in the first 10 minutes of the deal and it says ken says How, what percentage of organizations or companies do you think have healthy culture and and pat pauses for a minute and he says 10%, maybe 15%. And I was like, what? Because th think about it this way, Ken. I mean, you're, you're in Ohio. I'm in, I'm in Alabama and Georgia. I bounce back and yeah. forth between two. Where, where I live at, you can throw a rock and hit three Chick-fil-A stores. Like, they're everywhere. They're on every corner here. And wow. I don't – if they doubled the number of Chick-fil-A stores – the drive-through line would still wrap around the building every single day, about three times a day, it's breakfast, insane. lunch, and dinner. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. Chick-fil-A, listen to this, Chick-fil-A does five times more business than the average fast food restaurant. They do more business than number two, number three, and number four combined, and they're closed on the highest revenue-producing day of the week on Sunday. So how do they do that? Number one, their food's good. Number one, their food's good. Yeah. Number two, their culture is insane. They're, I don't care if you go to Chick-fil-A in Georgia or if you go to Chick-fil-A in, in Michigan. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. My pleasure. Is there anything else you need? This service is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. So, here, so here's when we talk about culture, when we talk about being significant over being successful, it really is about culture. Are you willing? to pay the price to build a culture inside your organization that is healthy. Mm. Listen, you, you don't think that all the other restaurants can look at Chick-fil-A and emulate their culture? Of course they can. They're just yeah. not willing to pay the price to do it. And you know how difficult it can be because we're talking about revenue. Yep. They're looking at Chick-fil-A's revenue and looking at their revenue and they look at, now granted Chick-fil-A's, Really, really good. Their food really, is really good. But their culture is absolutely insane. People aren't willing to pay the price 
when it comes to creating that kind of culture. Because the reality of it is, is in that kind of, so what that culture does is it, is it helps great people rise to the top and it helps people who don't fit your culture have an easy exit to get out. Uh, okay, so I need to get you into Tim Hortons. <laughs> you need to talk to them. Like I, I'm look just just two days ago. I'm sitting. There, I'm I'm in a really small town. There's not a lot of options. I'm like, right. you know what? A, a, a an, an egg and sausage croissant sounds good for lunch. So I go, dude. I sit there for ten minutes at the window after I paid, and she comes back. She goes, "We're out of egg, and I only have half a piece of sausage. What do you want to do?" <laughs> Literally, that's what she said, right. and I'm like, right. I want to eat what I ordered, but right. you know, so, you know, and, and the, here's the worst part of it. And, and this, this would blow your mind. I know sitting there, she said, look, this is, a, I, cause I was like, well, I've been sitting here 10 minutes. She goes, look, this was out of our control. <laughs> right. and I was like, let me, let me, let me, let me say something to you real quick. King, you just said that this is out of our control. I yeah. heard Craig Grishel. Craig Grishel, Pastors Life Church, probably one of the largest churches in America. I got to spend some time with Craig probably nine years ago at a pastor's dinner in Jacksonville, Florida at Celebration Church. I got to spend, there's like 15 of us, got to have dinner with Craig. He said something that I'll never forget. He goes, we don't allow our staff to say our people won't. We only will allow our staff in our culture to say we have not led our people to. John Maxwell says it all rises and falls with leadership. Yep. When when you and I got I got goosebumps thinking about this right now. When so you look at pol, when you look at politics today, it's absolutely pathetic because yeah. we don't. And I'm talking about both sides of the aisle. Yep. Just I agree. Lead, just lead. Yeah. Just lead people. We don't. Craig said it. We don't allow our people to say our leaders to say our staff to say our people won't. We only allow our team to say we haven't led our people to, because yeah. if you believe John Maxwell says leadership is influence, everything rises and falls with leadership. It's all yeah. about leadership. So it's yeah. not out of their control. Somebody right. didn't do not. Somebody right. didn't do what there's. And if it was Chick-fil-A, they would have said, sir, can you pull up the front? And the manager would have came outside and he would have handed you probably five gift cards to be <laughs> able and said, hey, we are so sorry. Listen, right. we dropped the ball on this. We're out of chicken. Well, I don't know why they run out of chicken. It's Chick-fil-A, right? But I mean, <laughs> right. but they would they would have so made up for that that you left going, these are the greatest people in the world. It's all about culture. But you mm -hmm. have to be determined to pay the price to build the cultures filtered through your core values. So in the midst of, you know, I've, I've run businesses, <laughs> look, Mike Phillips says five gift cards, a massage and made your next yes. car payment. Yeah, right? Exactly right. That's so yeah, I mean, true, true though. That's the way they are. I mean, we see we, the, it's in movies now, like they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're a comedy movie. I don't remember the movie I saw, but like where the Chick-fil-A guy shows up for, I forget, but like. You know, what about a, cause I've run businesses now for the better part of 30 years. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I remember Grant Cardone and I were talking and, and I was having a situation with an employee that was a cancer and, and he's like, you gotta blow, gotta blow them out. And I'm like, well, dude, 
this is a very key player on my team and a lot of other people will leave with this person. And I can remember that whole situation being like, okay, the culture, I'd never thought of the word culture, but the culture um, is not good here now. And I've got to make a big decision that's going to dwindle yeah. my team down to nothing. And, and what about a company like that, that they have, they know that there's some things off. Maybe the CEO, the leader, the company president knows that things are off, but they don't know what to do. What, like, I, I've been in that position where yeah. like, yeah. geez, I don't know what to do. I, I, I know I need to, but the fear was overwhelming. What do you, what do you say to somebody that's in that position? I would, I would say, so you didn't get in that position on accident and it didn't happen overnight. One of the things that I do with every coaching consulting client that I have, I'm going to New Hampshire next week to spend two days with a guy who's starting. He's so part of his insurance book and he's actually starting his own deal. And one of the things that we're going to go up and do, one of the very first things we do after we go through personal, professional and financial goals for a full day, we'll spend a full day breaking down. Where do you want to go with your life? Yeah. We will start with your culture of strategy. What are your core values? We have five core values in both of my companies. Passion, focus, intentionality, teachability, flexibility. Passion is how we attack our goals. Um, focus is how we dominate our calendar. Uh, intentionality is how we speak to our clients and to one another on our team. Teachability, we're not only open to feedback, but we actively pursue feedback. The last one is flexibility. We live in a fluid world. We better be open to and embrace change. So every, every time I have a conversation, a one-on-one, we literally with these clients, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a one-on-one checklist. When you do your 10 minute one-on-one every week or every other week, here's how this conversation needs to go. And it always needs to be filtered through. When you give praise to a, 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 a coworker or an employee, or if you have to rebuke them, you always do it through a core value. So then there's no questions about what, how are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to carry ourselves? You, you, those core values define how you get from point A to point B, which would be your vision. We're, wow. we're going to do this. We're going to grow from here to here. Your core values define. I can leave, I live in Birmingham. I can drive to the Atlanta airport. It's two hours. If I drive right down here to I-20 and I take it all the way to Atlanta, two hours and five minutes, I can be at Hartsfield International Airport. Or yeah. I can drive up to Chattanooga. Then I can drive back down to Atlanta or I can drive down to Montgomery and then I can take 85 up to Atlanta. It's just going to take me longer to get there. Right. Your core values, what they do is they set the direction and how you're going, how you're going to get where you want to go. You wow. have to use those core values every, every time I get on a team call. The very first thing we do, we do them every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. When I get on my GSD team and my agents for Ken Johnson team, for my EXP team, we talk about wins, we do top three, and then about three times a week, I'll share a core value. Hey guys, today's core value. And it usually comes out of a situation that we've had with our team, good and bad. Hey wow. Jimmy, you knocked it out of the park. You were super intentional. You used the core, our intentional core value on this conversation. Dude, you did a phenomenal job. Hey Rosa, on, on focus, you were supposed to get X or, or passion. You were supposed to get X amount of calls in a day and you didn't. Hey, listen, our core value of passion is how we attack our goals. Hey, wow. I've got to, I've got to see some more passion and I'm going to have that conversation with you one time. And that one's on me, the real core value. The second time I have to have the conversation with you wrapped around that specific core value 
the conversation is going to go, Ken, this is the second time we've had this conversation wrapped around this core value. Yeah. Help, help me understand where's the disconnect in this for you. And I'm going to listen. And sometimes, sometimes they've got, you know, I just had one of my guys on my team. He had to put his mom in hospice today. I mean, that that's hard. So he's, so he's going to drop the ball, but if it's something that is, there's not circumstances causing that behavior or that lack of action or lack of commitment or lack of passion. Then the conversation is, Hey, Ken, this is the second time we've had this conversation wrapped around this core value. Right. We have to have this conversation again. You're going to have to find a new team to go be a part of because I'm going to have to let you go. And that's the standard. And that's what Chick-fil-A does better than anybody else. That's why they're number one. Dude, that's incredible, man. Is did now, is this in your book? Uh, that is not <laughs> that part. Dude, that come on, right. man. You gotta write another book then. <laughs> I'm working. Hey, we're working on it right now. We're working hey, on it right now. Your 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 book, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but I put it in my Amazon store. It's in the mm-hmm. I think in the second row of books. So yeah, man. I, I, I think that um man, that's that's amazing. Look, you're helping people right now. You are helping people right now. You know, I um, I have had the experience of build, building multiple teams and um, ha- having your direction or the direction you're talking about would have been um, incredibly helpful and it will be in the future. So, man, this is awesome. I want to go back to, because um, we skipped about 20 years, I think. Um, I I, I I, I want to go back to you. You built this huge youth ministry. You're traveling all over the United States. I'm assuming teaching other churches how mm-hmm. to build a youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, what what happened after that? Because you didn't you're no longer in that position, right? You're, yeah. So, so that was we did. I did that all the way up until about 2000. And in 2001, okay. I moved to Fort Worth, Texas with a really good friend of mine who was played in the NBA for a while. And we did motivational high school assemblies. So we would go in and just, it was motivational. You know, obviously you can't show your faith because it's a high school assembly. Then we would invite them to come to a, something we would do that Wednesday night where we'd actually have them be sharing more of my faith. If you'd like to come, we'd be able to do that. We had, we spoke to about 300,000 kids in one year. I traveled four days a week. And so we did that. And obviously I had a two and a half year old and a one year old. And um, after about a year of that, my wife said, no, we're not doing that anymore. So I moved <laughs> yeah. back from Fort – actually, we had moved back from Fort Worth to uh, northeast North Georgia area, just outside of Atlanta anyway. And I got to a point where, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep traveling like this. I went to my best friend who was a, one of the top mortgage brokers in the state of Georgia, and I said, dude, I need a job. And uh, I've got to – I can't travel. I need to be home. And Chris said, here's keys to – he handed me keys to a, a Lexus. And he said, there's your office. And I started doing mortgages. I did made about 146 grand my first year. Never did a mortgage, never made over, you know, fifty, fifty-five thousand dollars a year doing ministry. And here I am walking into I made 146,000 the first year. I did that for two and a half years until I had the experience I needed to do to be able to get my own mortgage broker's license. And I think in Christmas of 04, got my broker's license and for the next four years we were the number one broker for countrywide and SunTrust on the wholesale side uh four years in a row wow yeah we did yeah we did really well but that was you know and then the housing market crashed in 08 09 and i I had already 
I was already sensing like, like that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I think yeah. the it leans probably more into the significance versus success because I'm open the office in Columbus, Georgia, two offices and 14 LOs. Wow. I hired the number one originator for SunTrust in the Southeast. She was closing about 18 to 21 deals a month on her own. And in July of 2007, I opened that office. We had about 150 agents, uh, chamber of commerce, ribbon cutting ceremony, you know, the big, you know, the big to do thing, yeah. the big rah rah. And, and yeah. I remember we got everything cleaned up that night. I was sitting at my desk in my office down there in Columbus and I cried. I was just sitting at my desk because I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. It just, it wow. wasn't, it just wasn't. Yeah. Literally I sit there at my desk, I was by myself and I cried and I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I knew God was kind of doing something different in my heart. I didn't know that. I didn't know that seven months later, the housing market was going to crash. So literally three months, three months later is when it started. And by February of 08, it was, it was trashed. So you're sitting in a brand new office, ribbon cutting ceremony. Yeah. You're probably making a little more than 146 grand a year. <laughs> yeah. We were making that probably every other month. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. So you're making yeah. millions of dollars. Um, and, and you started crying because you knew that wasn't what yeah. you were. What? Yeah, just, yeah. Well, it wasn't fulfilling, man. It just, I just knew that. Wow. I mean, from the outside looking in, it looked like I had everything and, but I just knew that it wasn't for us. And I do talk about this in my book. It's about ROM return on mission, not ROI return on wow. investment. It's always been about, for me, it's always been about return on mission and not return on investment. And so obviously that was in July of 07, the end of September, the first day of October of 07 is when Fannie Mae changed guidelines the first time. The second time was February the 1st of 08. And literally that cut about 80% of all of our business out. And, you know, obviously that season, I already knew God was doing something. So we went from that season into um, planning and pastoring a church. We started that with three couples and, Oh nine, oh ten, and grew that to a few hundred people, and did that for about six years. And this was so, where? Where this was in, in Georgia, in Flower Branch, okay. Georgia, yeah, okay. home of the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> okay. Um. So, so you, you, um, man, that is so powerful. I wrote that down. Return on mission. So, you know what's interesting though is back in oh eight, oh nine, that whole. I mean, there were mortgage people going to jail. Oh, were, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of fraud going on. Oh my gosh, I know. All you needed was a heartbeat to get a mortgage. You know, at, at times. Mm -hmm. So, so you, um, you start. You left that. You so you shut down two or three offices. Yeah, two offices. We shut down two offices in by February of '08. I oh was back, God. both offices shut down. I mean, literally in less than a year, oh both offices God. shut down. I was sitting in my basement in my house. We had a, we had a really nice house and I had a full basement and I had a conference room, my office, the whole nine yards set up downstairs. I had 11 deals on my desk, 11, 11 deals on my desk that a year before, and these were all my deals. Not, I still had, I still had LOs working for me, 11 deals on my desk. I would have closed them a year ago. A year before that, I'd have made 53, 54 grand that month, just in just my money, not counting all yeah. the other. Yeah. I closed zero of them. I couldn't get any of them close. And they were right. all great credit. Everything was fine. You couldn't get anything to appraise because there were so many um, distressed properties and foreclosures going on at the time. Nobody's homes would appraise for anything. 
So it was a very difficult time. And, you know, we wound up, that was in February of 08. I think in May, I filed bankruptcy on 2.3 million, wow. 14 properties. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And I mean, and I was a guy who had, you know, several hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I mean, yeah. I always, uh, there was money in the bank. I had, you know, we were making it. I'll never forget this call. I got a call from SunTrust Mortgage one day. And she said, Mr. Jocelyn, she goes, this is a little, I'm, she's, I'm a little curious and I don't normally call somebody who's got this many mortgages with us. I think I had eight or nine of my investment properties with SunTrust. She oh goes, we noticed you haven't made a payment in like 90 days. You know, can, <laughs> what's the problem? And I said, what well, the problem is I went from making, you know, a hundred grand a month to zero grand a month. I literally just like that. I mean, it, when it dried up, it just, it, it literally went, um, I mean, it, it crashed in, you know, in a span of about four to six months, it, it, it the, the, the housing market industry completely dried up, so. yeah. but it was a lesson. It was a huge lesson for me. And then, you know, going back into ministry and then obviously coming back out where the economy made a turn, yeah. it was one of those things to where, you know, I drive a, I drive a Honda Civic sport. I mean, I've got a nice watch. I just, things, things don't mean the same to me now that they did back then. They just you don't. currently drive a Honda Civic. Honda Civic Sport, man. I do. I drive a Honda Accord. It's new. I drive a Honda Accord. It's well, 2.0 turbo, man. It's fast. Well, my, that's my look. My look, Carl Scoop, man. Oh yeah. I occasionally, I occasionally get it to triple digits on the uh, interstate every now and then. I don't think I, I can't confirm that nor deny that I've ever done that. Yeah. So, yeah. dude, I, I think you know. And so you here you are. Um, for a lack of better words, you, here you are, you, you, you were this baller making a hundred grand a month or more, all these agents working for you in the mortgage industry, everything collapses, you file bankruptcy and, mm -hmm. and, um, you threw in the towel, moved into a homeless shelter and that's the story <laughs> of your life, right? Dude, we had, I had to borrow money from my in-laws to, to be able to get a house and wow. uh, I'll never forget my best friend. My best friend who owned the mortgage company that I uh, that I worked with, and he was making he was making unbelievable money. I, I had to give him money to pay his electric bill one time. You know, I'll never forget it. And and I think what it does is it it gives you some perspective. I think it gives you some perspective. And, and it's you know, and I, what it also does is you know, I've we've got I can't name it yet because I just got the contract in today. I've got a big time guy coming to our event in Atlanta. It's big time. But it's eighty-five grand to get him in, and one of my one of my best friends who worked for him for twenty for fifteen years, when he called me the other day and he goes, "Hey," I said, "I, I think he's in." He goes, "How much is it?" I said, "Eighty-five grand." And he looked at me and he went, "You're gonna do it, ain't you?" And I just started laughing, <laughs> and and he started laughing. He goes, "Dude, you got the biggest balls of anybody I know. Like it's just insane." I'm like, "What's the worst that happens?" Right. We we lose it all. And we have to start over again. I've already been there. Been like there. I know how to do that. Uh, you know, so yeah. it's, I think it, that coupled with growing, growing up the way I did 12 schools in 12 years, six high schools in four years, um, the, the risk factor, people go, why does, why does Grant Cardone give you the platform for this? Why does he pull you on the Instagram lives? Why have you spoken at 10 X headquarters twice? Why have you done that? Why does he do that to you? Because anytime, like when I did the end of, end of 2019, when we, I met Grant, and in two months made like 129 grand. I poured all that into starting gross that drive. Yeah. And Grant saw that. And so he's like, dude, I just continually go all in. 
I continually yep. go broke every day. Like, what do I got to do to keep growing this thing? How, what do we got to do to keep advancing what we're trying to do? Because we know we're on a mission to help business leaders build confidence, gain clarity, and create community. Yeah. And it doesn't scare me to take risks, probably because all of the, all of the, uh, the stuff we've been through in the past. So it's it's what it's what builds you man i mean it's such a cliche but that that doesn't doesn't kill you only makes you stronger makes and you it's stronger. it's it's true though man god god's not done yet so so let me ask you like so now you've start what is talk about grow stack drive what is what is that what's it about yeah so gsd is a company i started about a year almost two years ago about a about 20 months ago after I met the crazy guy named Grant Cardone. And yeah. I knew I, I'd, I'd already been coaching and consulting on the ministry side with my, my coach and my pastor. He, he grew it in three or four years um, to over a seven figure coaching and consulting business. And I wanted to do my own and I wanted to, yeah. because when it comes to, you know, the foundation, the, the culture strategy, hiring strategy, I know how to do those things. I know how to do those things really well. Yeah. I know how to come in and teach people how to, you know, with our, with our planners and how we do our, you know, goals twice a day, gratitude, affirmations, top three wins, 1% better, even a school board. I put a school board in here. I know how to help you organize your time to where you squeeze every ounce of potential out of every single day. So being able to go in and do that, I said, you know what, I'm going I'm to start a company called, and we, we named it GSD, you know what that stands for. Um, it does stand for, for Gross Act Drive, but it also stands for Get Crap Done. Um, oh, get crap. There you go. There you go. Yeah, we get it now. And we didn't do that on purpose. That was total accident. When somebody said that down the road, we're like, that's that's exactly why we did it. But, yeah. you know, we we started that. We, uh, we do coaching and consulting. We have a, our community, which is an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable community of entrepreneurs across the country. We've got entrepreneurs who just started, just hit six figures, just hit seven, seven figures, just hit eight figures this year. I've got one guy doing 91 million across his companies. And wow. we do, we, yeah, and we do that. And we have three components of our GSD community. We do online courses. I've got courses on mindset, strategy, and leadership development. Wow. I spent, a, I spent about 85 grand getting those done last year. Uh, we do those. I do two coaching calls a week, every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And then we've got our private Facebook page with about 160 people in that. And wow. so that's that's our community. People go and then we do live events. Um, we've got the live event coming in Atlanta at the end of January, which is going to be um, we're kind of re rethinking how we we've been doing boot camps all over the country, like once a quarter, about four a year. We did uh, Nashville twice, Scottsdale, uh, Vegas with Brad Lee last month. I did one at Brad Space. Uh, phenomenal lineup of people too that we bring in and so we're gonna do we're gonna change it up a little bit we're gonna we're gonna camp in atlanta once a year in january for our create conference the number one entrepreneur conference in the southeast i've wow. got some killer guy i've got some killers coming in jesse itzler i've got two people that will announce this week they're big time one of them's the top leadership guy in the world and has written more books on leadership and you can probably guess who I'm talking about, but I literally just got the confirmation an hour ago from his office that he's coming. Wow. Um, so we're going to do the, the number one entrepreneur conference in the Southeast. And so that's one of the things we do. We do live events. We do a podcast, the books, the, you know, um, and really it's to help business professionals build confidence, gain clarity and create community. People ask me all the time, they say, what is GSD like? I said, it's like the church I planted and 10X got together and had a baby. It <laughs> is an unbelievable because I, I, I know how to do community. 
I understand the power of community. Yeah. It's like the most crazy community of entrepreneurs that understand the power of confidence, clarity, and community. And we're seeing people do unbelievable things inside our community, setting records, not just in their, not just in, you know, the revenue needle being moved, yeah. but in their personal life, in their, in their family, in their, in their health journey. I mean, I'm down 75 pounds. Let me, let me do this real quick. You guys are going to flip because I'm about to show you a picture that's going to make you go no freaking way. I just wow. posted this on my, uh, I just posted this on my Instagram the other day. <clears throat> wow. Boom, look at that. Look at that before and after picture. I saw that, dude. Yeah, bro. Come on. That's 75 pounds over about a 20-month period. And that's – I'm working You look 20 off. years younger, too. But I feel 50 years younger. Wow. So, yeah, it's been amazing. But it's uh, it's it's an, it's an unbelievable – I'm having so much fun, dude. I'm having a blast. It's, it's fun. What is your – you know, um, I think about this a lot personally – you know, what is your, um, what's the big picture? What's the end game for you? What's the, 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 like, this is the splash I want to make in the yeah. universe before I leave here. I said, I, I sat with a friend of mine. Uh, I sat with a friend of mine, Scott Duffy and Scott, you know, he knows everybody. Him and Dave Meltzer are best friends. He knows, he knows when I say he knows everybody, he knows everybody. He started Fox sports. Scott was the one they hired out to do that. Scott and I did a uh, Scott and I did a he did a whiteboard session with me last year. I flew out to OC with him for a, a day, and we were talking about he was talking about an exit strategy. He goes, "Well, if you get your you know if you get your you know GSD community one nine seven up to these numbers, you know if you get it to five million in three years, you can probably sell this thing for about thirty to thirty five million. And we're looking at it, and I went, and that's why I said I went. And then what am I going to do? Right. Like, and then what am I going to do? Why would I? Why would I build it to sell it? Like I love doing what I do." I love watching entrepreneurs go and the light bulb go off yep. and personally, professionally and financially, they're doing things that they never dreamed of. I'm like, why would I? So I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have an exit thing. I just, I just want to, man, I just have a passion to help entrepreneurs understand confidence, clarity, and community. I mean, really that's it. What is the, um, what is, let me, let me, I'm going to pull this up here. What's the website address where people can go and learn? Growstackdrive.com. Growstackdrive. Yep. G-R-O-W-S-T-A. Rosa can type it in there. Rosa Ramirez, what's up, girl? Please, Rosa. somebody type it in the comments so it's clickable for people watching. Yes. Um, but I'm going to have it scrolling across the, the bottom as well. So, so Ken, um, <clears throat> I ask this question of, of every guest and, and uh, you know, I, I think that, I think that people, you know, get, get stuck. They get stuck mm -hmm. in life and they don't get unstuck. They tell themselves that, man, I lost my hundred thousand dollar a month income and filed bankruptcy i'm a loser and nobody's ever going to trust me again and <laughs> right like we've all been through that stuff though if you've been in business long enough yep. and you know what what do you think is the number one maybe the top two things i don't know that are that are holding people back in life from experiencing real success financially because hey it's like zig said no money's not everything but it ranks right up there with oxygen you know like <laughs> yes, like so what what's holding people back from 
true financial success and from experiencing freedom and happiness in life? Two, two things. Number one's relationship. Um, relationships are always number one, always, always, always number one. People go, Ken, have you grown? Have you done some of the things you've done? It's always relationships. It's guys like Grant Cardone. It's guys like Gregory that I can pick the phone up. It's people like Sharon Lecter, who I set, you know, at her, at her house on New Year's Eve last year for two hours at her table and just, just really poured out my heart about the vision that I want to, that I wanted to see come to pass this year. It's really about relationships. It's having three, there's really three spheres of relationships each of us need to have. Um, community, circle, and corner. Community is that large group of people you travel with. Seth yeah. Godin wrote a book called Tribes. So is it GSD? Is it 10X? Is it, what is the community you're traveling with? Right. It's people have the same DNA, same like-mindedness, then your circle. Like those are the 10 or 12 people you're spending the most time with. You know, you've heard it. You're the sum of, you know, the five people you hang out with the most. Yep. Well, most of us hang out with 10 or 12 people. Jesus did. <laughs> most of us hang out with 10 <laughs> or 12 people. Like who are the 10 or 12 people you're hanging out with and where are they going? Mm. And then your corner. In your corner, your corner is the one or two people that have a 10,000 foot view who know everything that's going on in your life. And they're able to see the blind spots and speak to the blind spot that you can't see. Because the reality of it is, is you and I are going to miss things. We're moving fast, we're doing things, and we're just going to miss some things. And we have to have people who see those blind spots for us. So relationships, number one. Number two, um, a concept that I talk about all the time that I created about a year ago called incremental, not monumental. Small daily disciplined decisions over time always equal monumental results. Success cannot escape you if you do the right things every single day. So when I so when I show you that before, Hold say, say that again. Say, that is such a powerful statement. Say that last thing. Incremental, yeah, incremental, not monumental. Small daily disciplined decisions over time always equal monumental results. Success cannot escape you if you do the right things every single day. It is, and I mean, even when you don't feel like it, you do it anyway. People, one of the things I've seen inside the 10X community, people go, you know, another reason, you want to know why I've grown? is because I haven't stopped for two years. Every single day. I got on a call with Grant. We're in a mentorship call. There's 1,200 people in the mentorship call. Grant says, I want you to find five people to describe you in one sentence this week. Well, I text Grant and Jared, and I said, hey, I got a question. So Grant pulls me up in front of, you know, on the Zoom in front of 1,200 people. I said, hey, G. I said, since you and Elaine are sitting there, y'all can be two of my first five. And Grant starts laughing. Grant starts laughing and he just goes, he just thought for a minute and he goes, can you always show up? Every time I do an event, you're there. Every time I look up on social media, you're there. Every time I check your page out, you're doing a new event or you've got a, you've got a new virtual summit or you're doing a book or you're doing, you are always there. And I'm telling you, there's power in showing up. Yeah. There's power in being focused and determined when you show up. Cause there's a lot of guys and a lot of girls that started this journey with me two years ago inside the 10X community. And they'll disappear for three or four months at a time and you won't hear them. And then all of a sudden they're like, boom, I'm back. And I've got this big deal going on. No, it don't work that way. It's no. incremental, not monumental. Small daily disciplined decisions over time always equal monumental results. Success cannot escape you if you do the right things every single day.
I love that last part. Success cannot escape you if you do the right things every single day. That's powerful. Somebody type that in the comments. That's amazing. So, so, so Ken, you know, um, 2020, we, we were faced with, um, you know, the pandemic and it's carried over into this year. And I mean, I, I have a buddy that runs the suicide hotline in Ohio and, and he's like, man, the calls have, you know, 10 X. Oh, I mean, it's, it's been crazy. insane. Right. Yeah, and, and, and so somebody that, cause I've been there, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget the day that my wife and I had just started a new office our first one as, as a couple. And, and, um, and I, we had a handful of employees and this guy walks in and that worked for me and he's way bigger than me. He's like, uh, Hey, uh, there's some dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. I'm like, well, tell him to get the hell out of here. You're bigger than I am. And, and he says, he says, I would, but he's got it, got it blocked with his tow truck. I was like, no, you can't talk a guy out of towing your car when he, the repo. Yes. Right? Yes, so man, I remember yes. though, in that moment, Ken, I was standing there with my employees standing around looking at me like their fearless leader. And, and, and I, I remember thinking, I, I don't think my life could get any worse than it is right now. What's the point of going on? What's the point? I remember having that thought <clears throat> for somebody that may have feel like they've, they've tried everything and they just can't get it right. They're, they're getting ready to have their electric shut off or their cars getting repoed or whatever's going on. What do you say to that person that's barely hanging on right now? to help them get through to the very next moment? Well, here's what I would say. Anytime you focus on somebody else's problems, it always makes your problems smaller. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean there's not urgency in the situation at all. One of the things I said this week to, our, to my GSD community was, one of, one of the things in our, in our planner is our gratitude and affirmations. So we do gratitude every day and affirmations. And I challenged him. I said, this week is Thanksgiving. I want you to take your gratitude to the next level. It's not good enough just for you to write down in your gratitude journal or in your, your, your planner what you're grateful for. If you're grateful for a person, pick the phone up, call them on the phone, send them a text and tell them, hey, Ken, I'm grateful for you. Dude, thank you for having me on your podcast today. I, I'm, I'm super grateful. And, and man, I'm grateful that we met. I'm grateful for our friendship. If you're grateful for somebody, pick the phone up and call them and let them know. Pick the phone up and say, hey, I'm grateful for you. Is there anything I can do to serve you this week? Is there anything I can do for you and your family this week? You, you mentioned the suicide. I used, to, I used to use this stat every single year. The suicide rates between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the first of the year, in that one month equal all of the other 11 months of the year combined. Because Sad, yep. it is a very lonely time for people. Yeah. So here's what I would say. You got some issues and you got some things you're struggling with. I would say reach outside yourself and help other people. Scripture, scripture is very, very clear. You reap what you sow. You start helping people and you'll see how that stuff, you can call it karma if you're not a believing call, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, what comes around goes around. But I'm telling you, when you reach outside of yourself and you begin to focus on helping other people with their problems, all of a sudden you look back at yours and either number one, they start getting solved or number two, they start getting a lot smaller. 
I, I, I don't even know. That's amen. And the whole church said amen. Yeah. I don't know. Are we going to take an offering up now? What's that? Are we going to take an offering up now? I know. Let's pass the plate. My gosh. that that Dude, that was incredible. And it's so true. I, I carry, when I lived in Atlanta, I went to a church in, in, in Marietta. Long story I'm not going to tell. But I ended up getting handed a a there you go. The original, yeah. yeah, it's the original little card. It's folded in half. I've carried it in my wallet for all these years, 32 years, with a brand new dollar bill stapled to the back of it. Mm. Just to remind me, like it, and you know, I said this the other day. I had the pastor of our church on, and 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 I said to him, I said, you know, I think a lot of people think that that it's just about like showing up and writing a check to the church and you're done. That's not what it's about. It's about showing up in other people's lives and helping them. And I, dude, I love, I, I love everything you you've talked about today, man. It's well, let me, let me, let me say this really quick before we get done. God's not after your money. He's after your heart. He's not oh. after your time. He's after your heart. He's not after your talent. He's after your heart. And when he gets your heart, all those other things fall in line. Can we just stay on all day? All right, listen, he's going to be here call. all day. I got a call two minutes ago. <laughs> what? I said my next call was two minutes ago, but we're good. Oh, Lord, you have to go. Oh, gosh, it's 12.03. Listen, yeah. I appreciate you. I'm grateful that you came on today and shared so much wisdom and love with, with everybody. Um, where's the best place for everybody to follow you, Ken? Uh, at Ken Jocelyn um, on Instagram, super easy. Okay. Um, I'll put it right here for you guys at Ken Johnson on Instagram, uh, GSD, our Grostat Drive page, um, which you guys already have because I put that on there just a minute ago. Um, but there's my there's my uh, there's my page right there, so you can hop on there. If I guess it's gonna you can follow me there, and then at Ken Johnson on Instagram, uh, okay. I'm around. I'm, I'm on social media a lot. Yes, um, man, like share. We've got our book um, as the leader grows that you put on there. Actually, we're doing. I put the link in there earlier. Um, if you go to book.growstackdrive.com, we're giving away this week for Black Friday. We're giving a free digital download. Wow. All you got to do is go and put your information and get a free digital. We've, we've given 130 away in a week and a half. So That's awesome, man. Everybody yeah. needs to go get a copy of the book. Ken Jocelyn, you are one of my heroes, man. I, I genuinely appreciate you. This has been a phenomenal interview. So everybody have an awesome day. Thank you all for sharing and being here and participating. And Ken, hang on real fast. I know you got another meeting. Hang on real quick. I'm going to end this. Gotcha. Thank you, everybody. Have a great Thanks, day. Happy Thanksgiving.